Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm all right, all things considered. Yeah. Cold out there. A little cold for doing our summer prospects list, eh? Yeah. (laughs) First Canadian vaccinated today, Bruce, right? Outstanding. Big day, big day. Mm -hmm. And may there be many, many, many more very quickly. Yeah, that's got to be considered a turning point for sure. I mean, it's going to take a long time to turn this big boat around, but uh, you got to start somewhere and that's a start. Yeah, what do you figure once we get to about, I don't know, three, four, five million Canadians vaccinated, we start to turn the, you know, that's when when the really vulnerable people all of them should be covered by then and then that that's a big relief for everybody so already happier when we don't have to worry so much about losing a big swath of the healthcare workers because that, well, you know, that could really compound a very difficult situation already right that'll be so, earlier on yeah that's a high on. priority and it should yeah, be that'll be fairly quick i hope all right so that's the good news and it's very good news We're going to talk about, we re-ranked the cult of hockey uh, prospects. Mm -hmm. And we did so because the the first time around we did it um, when there was nothing to talk about. So we we decided to rank them then in uh, May uh, between the the first, is is interregnum the right word, Bruce? What does interregnum mean? Between reign, so it's, you know, after the king has died and before the next king or queen has been crowned. So maybe not the right word. You have this little little gap. Yeah, no, it was more, yeah. Pause. The first first pause. Between the the first first pause. Yeah, the first offseason, we didn't, we ranked them, but we didn't have all the players who were drafted this year. So we decided to re-rank them. And there was an added bonus because in the pause, the second pause, we were able to actually watch. So for the first time, we've actually watched almost every player or many, many of the players on the list, far more of the players on the list than we've ever seen before. So we actually, I think our list is, is uh, hopefully it's better uh than previous lists and it certainly has more first-hand knowledge from from many of us myself yourself and sean patrick ryan we're all watching uh the oil knight sean patrick ryan we're all watching these players i'd also like to thank um kurt levins of course who voted and uh the journals hall of famer jim matheson who kindly Mm -hmm. again participated in the voting so thanks jim and thanks uh kurt and sean patrick ryan you guys, we really appreciate uh, you participating in the ranking. And I think the more kind of expert um, people weighing in, the better, like the, the better the ranking you're going to get. So, Bruce, let's start at the top of the list. We're going to talk about um, uh, probably about the top 15 players or so. And we're going to talk mm-hmm. about who's rising and who's falling and how long some of these guys have been on the list. And we're going to end up with where does this draft list compare to other draft lists in previous years? Because there's some suggestion that this is a pretty good darn list and maybe the best list of Euler prospects in 40 years. So we'll have a look at that. Who's number one, Bruce? Well, number one is and remains uh, right shot defenseman Evan Bouchard. Oilers' first-round pick, uh, number 10 overall in 2018, and he immediately soared to number one in the rankings that year. And he has stayed there in 2019 during our interim rankings in 2020 and still just by a hair, ranking number one uh, uh, on our list. He's he's the first guy to ever even make number one two years in a row, let alone three. So he's uh, uh, he, he's uh, he actually is being slow played. I mean, a big... Yeah, big problem with our list in the past. It's not that it's lacked quality, but it's lacked durability. I mean, you bring in a hot shot, he's number one for 10 minutes, and then he's in the NHL because that's been the Oilers' way for ever since Sam Gagne was a a, a fresh-faced teenager. Well, yeah, I suppose. I mean, Coffee, uh, Messier, all those guys were on the list one year in the the NHL. That's been the Oilers' way 
right from the start if if we're uh, completely honest about it and it's especially with the top picks they move in and they they're not on the list ryan smith was on the list two years um so yeah and jason arnott one in one year and one year drafted in the nhl so this is the way of the yeah. oilers and you know, the closest to Bouchard would be Nurse Aid, because Darnell Nurse was on the Nurse list. Nurse and Clef, um, Three years, Nurse was number two on the list, right? Right. So that's that's a very strong comparable for Bouchard, like someone, a really, really promising guy who's been high on the list for a number of years in a row. And, and Clefbaum was in the top three, three years in a row. So uh, the Oilers have a little bit more. They waited for defensemen until they were 20. It's been the forwards they pushed into the NHL at age 18. And the defenseman. So it's not like Bouchard is behind schedule or anything. It's just they're actually maturing the guy into a hockey player before pushing him in the NHL, which is, of course, as it should be. Yamamoto was also uh, on the list, I think, what, three years? Of course, he was always dipping his toe in the NHL each of those years. And he moved down the list, interestingly, the longer he was on the list, because he kind of got. We started to question him a little bit. Is the truth, if we're completely honest, compared to other prospects like Bouchard and? Uh, um, I think he went number one, number two, number four, and then yeah. the third year we actually had to break our own rule, uh, which is eligible for the Calder Trophy. Which technically he wasn't eligible for the Calder Trophy last year because he had played six plus games in two different seasons. An archaic rule which uh, disqualifies uh, some actually deserving uh, players from even being eligible for the Calder Trophy. It's it's a flaw in the system that I wrote about almost yeah. 10 years ago when Alex Petrangelo got screwed out of being considered for the Calder Trophy, but uh, they've never gotten around to fixing it. So in his case, we sort of made the executive decision, well, he's definitely still a prospect. You know, he may have played... Uh, two seasons of slightly over six games, but he's he's definitely still in the system, so we consider him as such. So we use it as a guideline rather than mm -hmm. as, a, yes. as a as a rule. So mm -hmm. Bouchard and Broberg were very close this year. And yep. I think both Jim Matheson and I uh, in the end voted Broberg for number one. And then mm -hmm. uh, yourself, Kurt and Sean all voted for Bouchard as number one. And uh, I, I think it was very close for everybody, right? Uh, yeah, it was actually uh, yourself and and Sean who voted for Broberg. Are you and sure that it wasn't Patty? Yep, yep, yeah, it's right. And I'm looking right at the rankings by voter here, and uh, Jim, Kurt, and myself all voted for Bouchard. We all of us had the same top two, so it was razor thin. I think thin. Bruce. I think you you made a little mistake. If I'm going to mm -hmm. be, okay. don't want to call you out here. But um, I think it was Sean who has Broberg. I'll just check the original voting list here. I think it's Sean who has Bouchard and Jim has uh, Broberg. Yeah. Yeah. Maddie has Broberg, number one. Okay. And Sean has Bouchard, number one. Is that what you have? Anyway. On the original list, Maddie's got Broberg. Oh, my goodness. One. Yeah. Okay. Don't worry. Uh, no, no, I've 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 located a, I've, I've got the wrong names on the wrong columns. I'm gonna have to fix my post. So right. thank you for that. All right. I don't think Sean will be pleased when he sees Carol Maximov listed as his number twenty-five prospect on his list. Oh, you do have Maddie's listed. Yeah, Sean's that's what I. That's my checkpoint. I went, Whoa! I got him. Sorry, I got him backwards. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'll fix Stop that. the podcast. Okay, we'll <laughs> fix that within an hour. Uh, the time you're reading this podcast, this will not be an issue. And listening <laughs> to this podcast, it will have already been resolved. I hate making a list and oh. then finding, looking at it online. Yeah, no, happened. no, of course. No, it's I'm embarrassed. Too many times. The great thing about the internet, Bruce, is you can fix it. Like you yeah, can correct true. it. There you that's go. That's true. And it's not like it's published in a book and you're going to, you can't even open the book for the rest of your life because it's got one mistake in it that you just can't live with. <laughs> yeah. So I'll tell you why I had Broberg slightly ahead of Bouchard. Here's uh, just real quick. It's just mm -hmm. it's so close. But I just think when I think of their long term NHL career, I just there's something about Broberg's size and his skating. Um, I just 
think this guy could be an NHL player a long, long time. And I'm not saying Bouchard can't be either, but uh, I just really, and I guess I just have a little bit of question in the end about Bouchard's defensive play still. Mm-hmm. You, know, obviously you could say the same thing about Robert's offensive play. Uh, but, but I'm liking Brober's offensive play enough to mm-hmm. to think he, just with his defensive play alone, which I think is coming along, like his one-on-one defending and all that stuff is coming along well enough that I, I just see a longer NHL career in the end. And I'm just a little bit, Bouchard still got to answer that one question about his defensive play at the NHL level. Um, so that's why. Yeah, well, I I wish I'd shared your confidence in Broberry's defensive play. I mean, I, I mean, he he has lots of good moments, but uh, but uh, he does have clangers and they uh, and soft coverage issues at time, and they wind up in the in the net. So yeah. I mean, they they both have uh, they both have a ways to go, and of course, the tough thing with comparing these two guys right now, even though we're both watching them both playing in Sweden, is that they're in two very different leagues. Broberry's playing in the t- toughest league of all, the Swedish Hockey League, well, the toughest league in Sweden. And uh, Bouchard is one level down in the Hockey Elsvenskan. And that's roughly the equivalent of comparing a guy playing in the NHL to a guy comparing playing in the AHL. So it's uh, it's hard to compare. I mean, uh, Bouchard's got better stats and, had you know, he's superficially got a better season, but he's playing against weaker opponents. And with weaker teammates, to be fair, but you would expect him to stand out, and he has. Yeah, fair enough, Bruce. Number three on our list is Dylan Holloway, and we mm. saw him in a couple college games this year, and he looked really fast and really, really, uh, he looks big and strong and hustles, and he's made Team Canada, Bruce. I, interestingly, ahead of Seth Jarvis, mm-hmm. uh, who we all. Every Oiler fan was kind of, or not every Oiler, many of us draft Knicks were kind of Seth Jarvis, Seth yep. Jarvis, Seth Jarvis yep. on draft, right? And then the, the pick before the Oilers, I think it was Carolina who took Seth Jarvis and we're sitting there thinking, ah. Oh. And they take Dylan Hallway. And if, I think it was just a common reaction again from the draft Knicks that were, everyone was a little bit let down. But Holloway, interestingly, on a, on a, and it's kind of interesting how this happened because when you look at the Oilers and 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 who's going to be making the Oilers in years to come, they're going to be looking for a, some third line or you know some role players. And Holloway, mm-hmm. I think, has made Team Canada because he's a bit of a role player. He's not the top power play guy because there's no room on the top power play. And there ain't no room on the top Oilers power play for a while either, I'm going to say. So in terms of like a fit for the Oilers, a big, fast, aggressive, power forward type who can fit in a lot of roles might find a spot on the orders a bit easier than um, a power play guy like Seth Jarvis. So that's just one thought. I mean, I I would have been happy if the orders drafted Seth Jarvis still, but uh, Holloway's looking good. Yeah, he is. I mean, he's made Team Canada as a left winger, uh, even as he plays center in the uh, uh, in University of Wisconsin. And, of course, Team Canada, traditionally, they've often piled up six or seven or eight centers and moved some to the wings. But the fact that Holloway has previous experience playing the wings makes that an easy transition for him. But, you know, and and it means that he's coming in a versatile player that can do multiple things. And he's, I think, being uh, being cast on the penalty kill unit, which, of course, will be a place where he can help the Oilers in years to come. The thing that impressed me most about this player watching him was... Uh, his aggressiveness on the puck, like just yeah, he would just take a beeline to the puck, and it wouldn't matter if it was the offensive zone, neutral zone, uh, defensive zone. I mean, he wouldn't go out of his he wouldn't go out of his own territory, but he would uh, go hard on the puck to and through the puck carrier on the other team. You know, like he wouldn't just go for the puck; he'd go for the man and the puck, and that just seemed to be part of his DNA. Man, he was all over that thing. He was a real thorn in the side of the other team. I just love to see that. It's interesting because Sean Patrick Ryan talks about what he's looking for in a player is Mm -hmm. this NHL translatable skill. Something that this player has that is good enough that's going to make an impact at the NHL level. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's a pretty strong way to look at these prospects because when I started to look at them, 
That's what I started to see. And, it, and it's why I rated some players a bit higher than other people, I think, because I started to see in players like Lavoie, Kesselring, and Lenstrom, what I saw as, yeah, that could, he could step into the Oilers lineup and bring that. Right. And Holloway is a good example of that. And the example mm-hmm. you brought up is an excellent example of that. Because again, yeah, that's it, right? Like, you could just see him getting in there on the forecheck and getting on a guy and turning over the puck and passing it to Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisettle, right? Like that's what pops into your head all of yep. a sudden, possibly with Holloway. And so um, Maddie actually had, was the only person of the list who had him as in fourth uh, place. Uh, he had Dmitry Samarukov in third mm-hmm. place, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So, and Maddie's basing that on the fact that Samarukov stepped up in the KHL. Right. And is essentially playing top four, yep. top two, top pairing even on his team in the KHL and, and is getting the job done very well. So I, this is, a, I, I can see Maddie's thinking. Oh, yeah. Right. With Sam Marukov, we've all been impressed with the human metronome. Mm-hmm. Um, he is coming on strong in the KHL. Good for Sam Marukov. Number four on our list. Number five, if you have any, you can. Mm. Number five, we just want to go to Lavois. Yep. Um, yeah. So I had him the highest, Bruce. I had him at number four. You had him yep. at number five. And uh, Sean had him the lowest, number seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so number f- why I had him higher, just that NHL translatable skill. I saw a guy who who got the puck and just buried his way to the net, just powered his way to the net. And was that ever a wonderful thing to see? Because it's a pretty rare quality. Honestly, like guys who just get it and will just have that fire in their eyes to go for the go for the net and take it there. That's uh, that was again. I thought, okay, you get on a top line in the NHL and you do that, you might have a little bit of a future there. So uh, with his size and his shot combined with his size and his shot, that's why I had him a little higher. What do you think of the player? Yeah, much much the same. I mean, he is a he is a big man, and he's um, uh, he you know he's not the most gifted skater. But uh, what I saw that I liked was that he always was moving his feet in the games that I saw. He wasn't sort of gliding around two footed. He was uh, he was driving, and or he, you know he knew where he was going. He had a reason to go there. He was uh, um, you know his head was in the game. And, you know, the criticism of this guy is that he's a little erratic. And, of course, you have to watch 100 games before you know the degree that that might be. But in the games that I saw, which is a number of games, uh, uh, I was uh, I was satisfied with his uh, level of play. And he was on, you know, he's on a weak team in, in uh, Hockey Al Svenskin, which kind of makes him stand out. But it also makes his job a lot tougher. You know, it's not like he had gifted teammates feeding him the puck all the time. He was... Uh, uh, he, you know, he was doing a lot of the heavy lifting himself. Yeah, uh, there's about, when I look at the list of the top 15, there's, I think, about four guys who are quite physical or, or more physical. There's Lavois, mm-hmm. Lagas, and Kesselring, and Maximov. And uh, I think Lavois is the chippiest. He, he just strikes me as kind of a bit of a nasty player. Uh, I saw a few instances of that. And I, I, I like that, Bruce. I, I really like that a lot. So what can I say? That's, part of, that helps. It's been part of the game for as long as I've been watching it. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler Benson slipped. He was number three mm-hmm. on our list as recently as June. And, you know, it's interesting because he, he's not playing poorly. He's playing in the, the second Swiss league and he's putting up a point a game. He's playing well, but I just think, well, um, there's two, there's a, one guy who's drafted and moved ahead of him, which isn't surprising. But, um, and then there's Lavoie and Samarukov who have, who have been really playing very, very well in Europe, I think. So that's why Benson, I mean, he's still, it's, it, it, the shines off him a little bit though, Bruce, I guess his real window was this past mm-hmm. year. And it's interesting because when he came to Edmonton, I actually thought he looked pretty good. He, he fit right in on a third line. I could see him. Tyler Benson's interesting because I think he could play up and down the lineup and, um, might make the Oilers as a fourth liner because he's he's solid defensively. He checks, he doesn't give away the puck, so he's an interesting player. But he he has slid because I just think that that top line potential seems to be fading with him a little bit. He's still the top left winger on our list, but okay. you know he's 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 gone down the 
depth chart a little bit, but uh, in terms of uh, on at his position, you know, we have him listed as uh, as the uh, top candidate to earn a left wing job in the NHL. That, that said, listing Dylan Holloway as a center and knowing that he may well wind up as a left wing, but that's years off. Uh, also, uh, Carter Savoy, we'll get to in a minute, is years off. Tyler Benson is now or within the next 12 months. Uh, that is his time. So, he, you know, he, he's got to step up. But if he does, he'll get his chance, I think. Uh, Maddie had him at five and mm-hmm. Sean had him at nine. So that was the kind of the, the variance uh, right. there. Ryan McLeod, um, the highest rating he had, we have him at seventh overall. The highest rating was Sean had him at five and I had him at 10. Right. And um, I guess... And this is after I've been kind of liked a lot of what I've seen in Switzerland. Like there's there's real there's things to like about Ryan McLeod. He's so fast. Mm-hmm. He's big. He can make a play with the puck. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I don't think he has got top six. Uh, he when he gets the puck, he he um, he holds it. He needs to hold it quite a bit before he makes the play. Like in terms mm-hmm. of getting the puck and making the instant great play with it. You know, having that head up and just quickly seeing something and making something fast, that's not, the give and go isn't his game. He's more of a pitlick type of player who gets the puck and fires up the wing and then can get a shot at net, as opposed to someone who quickly combines easily at a, at a at an elite level. And I guess the reason that I don't have him as high this time around is I just have some questions about his defensive uh, fundamentals and his defensive intensity. And I think... He's going to be in the NHL as a checker, and I want to see him totally excel in that role at a lower level um, before I'm convinced that he's an NHLer. And I'm not; I'm just still on the fence about that. Right? Yeah, he's. I mean, he also has the versatility to play center or wing. Yeah. Uh, and you know, he's a he's a second round draft choice, and you know, to me that. Um, you mentioned Pitlick already, and to me, the other the other sort of uh, comparable at the lower end uh, from that same 2010 draft was uh, a guy named Curtis Hamilton. Yeah. He was a big, um, sort of superficially um, talented, looked good uh, left winger that, uh, that played with uh, Saskatoon Blades. And he was promising, but some of the exact same... Um, Criticisms were noted of that guy in terms of of being a little bit of a peripheral player, and and that's what that's going to be McLeod's big issue is uh, uh, getting himself in the middle of things as opposed to on the outside reaching in, right? And and I would say that was a criticism on his draft day, and he uh, to this point has not made it go away, so that is not necessarily a good sign. He's big, he's fast, he's reasonably skilled. I had him as number six on my list, and, and uh, I think there's a uh, good chance he'll be an NHLer, but uh, whether he'll be an impact NHLer is an entirely different question. Yeah, I'm not seeing that kind of compete level. I like, People hate that word. You know, they had a grit intensity in his game, another word that people hate. You know, those grit, compete. That's But that's what I'm not. That, where I see mm-hmm. it in Lavoie, I'm mm-hmm. not seeing it as much with this player. Uh, so it comes down to that for me. Um, oh, about Pitlick, he took mm-hmm. six years from the year yeah. the, the, from the year that he was drafted to the year he finally made it full time as an NHLer. It took six years. So um, we've had other Oilers wingers and forwards take that long. Sean Van Allen, mm-hmm. um, Chris Vandevelde. So so it's there's these guys who take sometimes it takes a while, but they're in the NHL for a long time. And Tyler Pitlick may be in the NHL for a while, so he's hanging in there so far. So, it, you know, McLeod may take a while, may take five, six years in the minors, but he could still make it. Um, now, those guys all took a second opinion, too, before they really made it. Van yeah. was in Philly. Pitlick was in Dallas when, it, you know, when he made it as a full-time player. Sean Van Allen was an expansion draft player in Anaheim, Mighty yes. Ducks of Anaheim. And then he became a long time sort of useful bottom six uh, NHLer uh, for a bunch of fairly terrible teams. But he, you know, he was a he was a uh, he had an extraordinarily long career for a guy who took as long as he did to ever make it. 
number eight on our list is Carter Savoy, who is, um, so Kurt and I had him as high as number six. Mm-hmm. So we're believing what we see in the hot streak. We right. put a lot of faith in that, obviously. And mm-hmm. and obviously other people are putting weight in that as well, or he wouldn't be this high as he is. Uh, number eight on our list. Uh, Sean, the lowest ranking was uh, Sean who had him at 12th. What did you, what do you think of him, Bruce? You had him, you had him at eighth, just where he, yeah. he ended up. What, what are you, what's your take? Yeah, well, on draft day, I thought, you know, you know, just on draft pedigree, Holloway would probably slide in, you know, at number three. Uh, and that guys like uh, Savoy, Tulio, you know, they might be at 15 or 18 or something, just based on where they got picked. Like, we just list them in order of their draft number. They would be down the list. But uh, Savoy, obviously, has made a very quick and, and positive impression. And when you build that on top of what he did last year, you know, in his last year of of, uh, of uh, junior hockey, what they used to call Tier 2 junior hockey, you know, prep level for uh, NCAA, where he scored 53 times in 54 games. And he's quickly proving in uh, 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 in uh, NC2A that he, that was no fluke, that he, you know, he's a sniper and a goal scorer, and he's shown it, and we've watched the games that he's played, and it's, you know, not just that he's sort of cashing out of nowhere. It's that he's gotten stronger game by game, and he's, uh, uh, you know, he's making things happen out there. And this is a, as a raw fr- freshman. And, man, you hear the uh, the announcers uh, talking about the guy. That, uh, and, of course, I mean, hyping the team is part of what they're about, but they're, they're clearly extremely impressed with what he's been able to do as an 18-year-old freshman. And, and it's... it's uh, a very, very promising start for a guy that clearly has a lot of skills. And you want to talk about a translatable NHL skill, that shot, that release, and the ability to disguise the shot and to, you know, to 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 uh, use the screens to to let the play develop, to change the shooting angles. Like he's got the smarts of a of a of a goal scorer, and he's got the numbers of a goal scorer. So that's uh, that's a pretty nice translatable skill to have. Yeah, um, you know, that ability to change the shot. There's one other player on the Oilers that has that in this list, and that's Evan Bouchard, right? Like, be able mm-hmm. to get yep. change the angle of the shot, get it off on net. And it's funny, because when I was watching Carter Savoy, it kind of popped in my head, he's Evan Bouchard on defense. Like, mm-hmm. he's this incredibly skilled, smart player with the puck who makes invariably the right play with the puck, but maybe has a few questions about his his skating and his defensive intensity. And, um, you know, that's pretty high praise for, for Savoy to compare him to Bouchard. But um, that's a pretty strong start. And it, we'll see if he can keep it up or not. But the reason I have him as high as I do is I think the scouts questioned his intensity and his defensive play, uh, his work ethic in the AJHL. That's why he dropped to where he dropped in the draft. Right. I'm seeing that question answered in the games that I'm seeing. I'm seeing a player who hustles as much as anyone. And as far as his skating goes, I'm seeing him go around players. I'm seeing him get the puck in his own zone and skate it up ice and go wide on a D-man and take him on and get around him now and then. So, uh, Or hit the gap with speed and just yeah. flash right through and, and get a shot away. The thing that impresses me, Bruce, is the the that ability. As soon as he gets the puck, whether it's a shot or a pass, to control it and make a play and make the right play. Like the, that is such magic on the ice when you when I see a player able to do that. Like the, the puck's bouncing up the boards and he and he gets it off, kicks it off his skate to a stick and makes that pass instantly. Or he goes forehand, gets it on his goes up, gets it up backhand, goes forehand and makes the pass instantly. And it's because his eyes are up all the time. Carter Savoy is a heads-up hockey player. That's the his offensive uh, genius, and he's looking around. And again, we're looking for players um, down the road who can play with McDavid, who who don't need to carry the puck, but when they get the puck, they make the right play. They can fire that puck on net or make that great quick pass, but they're not necessarily looking to go through the entire other team with the puck, like Drysaitel oh, or Mc, or Nugent Hopkins, or on a very lower end, Ryan McLeod, like people who like to have the puck on their stick. So um, who knows? Maybe one day there'll be a fit there if he keeps working at it, um, keeps progressing, and obviously keeps up this level of scoring, which would be fairly dramatic. 
uh, and unlikely. Uh, Carter Savoy has a shot at that, so that's why I have him at number six. He's at least two years away. Yeah, I think Holloway could, I could see Holloway playing just one more year of college and then coming out this summer. That would be likely, I would say. I would say Savoy, listen, if he keeps up this level of scoring, Bruce, he could Mm -hmm. come out after this, you know, if that happens, for instance. He could come out after one year, but it's probably, he would be wise to think about building up his strength, his skating speed and all of that and take a couple years Mm -hmm. in the NCAA at least, maybe three. Number nine on our list, William mm-hmm. Logason, Bruce. You had mm-hmm. him. You you had him right at number nine. What do you think of the player? Uh, well, he's just there, right? And he, he, I mean, last year I think we had him at number seven, uh, and this uh, spring we had him at number eight. Now we got him at number nine, and you know what's happened really is Holloway and Savoy have. Uh, come into the list and, and gone ahead of him that's one way to interpret it but uh uh he's um uh he remains in the conversation but you know the, i think the the thing with him is a uh the ceiling is fairly low uh it's taken a long time to get to this point and you look at him and you say well where is the nhl translatable plus skill like he has he has nhl skills but it, what is it that will that will be his standout skill. That'll be the reason that he makes it in the NHL. And it doesn't just jump off the page at you. You know, yeah, he, does, he does a lot of good good little things. And, and there, you know, there's lots to like about the overall package. But there's no real one thing that sort of jumps out at you. So. That's a really strong take, Bruce. I agree. Because you could, the thing you might say, well, his aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. But you got to be able to catch the players to hit them. And I'm not sure if Logason's going to be able to do that necessarily at the NHL level. Uh, he struggled a little bit in the, the games we saw defensively now and then. Um, so, yeah, that's why there's some question marks around the player. Like, what exactly is he going to bring at the NHL level? He's kind of good at everything, but that mm-hmm. can often speak at the AHL level and the um, all Svenskan level, kind of really good at everything. Mm-hmm. But how's that going to play out? Number 10, Olivier Rodrigue. Uh, I didn't know. It's kind of hard to rate the goal. He's, he's obviously yep. doing well in the Austrian league. Yep. Um, he he seems like, just based on the fact that Skinner has struggled, he struggled quite a bit at the AHL level um, last year. And Konovalov has struggled a little bit at the KHL level. He's lost his starting job to, um, what's that What's that goal? That goal he used to be at the Oilers, like a backup. Yeah, in, um, yeah, yeah. Oh. In, um, I know Baker's his name. Field. Yeah. Yeah, he was a career minor leaguer, and all of a sudden now he's the number one guy with a ridiculous save percentage. For... Yeah. Anyway. So, so Rodrigue's kind of the top Oilers prospect. Bruce, when I was looking at our list and thinking of the top prospects, I was thinking, I can see the Oilers using a second, if they have a second Eddie, draft Eddie pick. Pasquale. Eddie Pasquale. I can see the Oilers using a second round draft pick, maybe even a first round draft pick one of these years on a goalie. Uh, when you look at their list, it's the one mm-hmm. obvious area. Unless Rodrigue comes over and lights lights it up in the AHL, or that's one area where you where I think they could use a bit uh, more quality. Yeah, we talked about uh, you know in in serious terms about the Oilers drafting Askarov if he was uh, available. Yaroslav Askarov, who went 11th overall in the draft, so of course he didn't get down to the Oilers. But there was talk that if he did, you know that 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 they uh, might take a shot at you know home run swing at uh, one of these super hot shot uh, young goaltenders. And uh, I mean, it worked for Tampa Bay, right? But uh, uh, it's possible in the future. I I do think that both Rodrigue and uh, Conavala are are interesting prospects. A little bit on the small side, but uh, um, uh, Rodrigue's um, pedigree is a little bit stronger than either uh, Dylan Wells or Stuart Skinner. That you know the Oilers draft choices who preceded him, and he had a very good last year of junior, and and uh, we'll see where he takes it in the pro ranks. Normally, you would think he'll land this year in the ECHL, but that's all up in the air, as you know. Did Askarov get hurt this year? Because I'm looking at 
he's only played three games. Uh, let that me just team, see, or maybe I'm missing something a, here. That team had a COVID issue, and I'm not oh, sure no. that it didn't concern him directly. My mistake. I was just looking mm-hmm. at his international games. He played oh. seven games. He's played okay. seven games for uh, St. Petersburg and two games in the VHL, so he's not been hurt. And he's doing, he did 962 save percentage. I think, I think percentage. he might have to sit out for, for COVID for a bit. I know his team did, and I, I'm not sure it didn't affect him personally, but... Okay. That's an old memory of a of a player from some other team, so I don't necessarily store it the same way. Not top of mind. <laughs> Number 11 is a very interesting player. I had him ranked the highest. He's Michael mm-hmm. Kesselring. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be writing about him, actually. I'm going to watch his game from the weekend. I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Um, All right. He and Kemp had debut games. Kemp in the Allsvenskan and Kesselring is now playing in the uh, whatever American college hockey Hockey mm-hmm. East, I think, maybe, mm-hmm. for Northeastern. Yep. Uh, so I had him at number eight. Sean had him as low. Sean, who is also, he's also watched him play, had him as, at 13. So mm-hmm. I just really like, he could be like a Logason. Like, there might not be some obvious thing that will make him an NHL player. He's very Logason-like, right? Like, he's, 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 he's pretty, he's big. He's bigger than Logason. He's rugged. He's pretty good moving the puck. Um, he's pretty solid defensively, but you know, is that really standout still going to be there? I guess if there was a standout skill, it's his size. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's three or he's about two or three inches taller than Logason already. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that's, that's, that's something. So, but nonetheless, Bruce, this is a player, um, who has really stepped up since, <laughs> since his draft year. And, uh, I think is kind of. You know, comparing someone to William Logason isn't bad because Logason has a chance at an NHL career here, and so does Kesselring. So that's why um, that's what I'm seeing in the player. What about you? Uh, lots to like in this player. I watched him play, and I he he really impressed me at the two uh, uh, at the two development camps that he came to, uh, which is one piece of information we are missing this year. You talk about seeing all these game tapes, but we did not get the opportunity to see these guys play in. Uh, 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 in game situations at all, uh, he's uh, he's a pretty interesting case. I mean, his size is is the one thing that dominates. Uh, you know, I mean, he stands out there, and he, he makes me wonder. You know, well, what did Colton Pareko look like as a twenty year old breaking into U.S. <laughs> college hockey? Right. I mean, he came out yeah. of nowhere in terms of a, a low draft pick. Nobody. Really thought much of the guy, and then he grew up to be six foot six and uh, uh, a fairly. Uh, now I'm not saying he's that guy. I'm just comparing the, the sure. potential career curves of, uh, of where they're going with it. And uh, uh, you know, Preco took it took him three years at University of Alaska Fairbanks before uh, he turned pro, and and uh, uh, he was uh, you know a little bit older by the time he got into the. AHL stream, he was already 22, I believe. So uh, we're not there yet with this player. We don't know what the ceiling is, but uh, it's, you know, I mean, at his size, it better be a high ceiling or he's going to hit his head on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting comparison, Colton Pareko. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just see. Yeah. So in his, it's, uh, he stepped into a slightly different kind of program i think right. the northeastern program's probably a little bit ahead of university of alaska fairbanks though i can't be certain about that but right. uh, yeah that's an interesting take bruce yeah the size is the the thing that really you know to do all of the things that kessel ring does and to be as big as he is that's why i have him rate right. as high as yeah. i do because um that's uh that's a pretty impressive thing and those big defensemen man they can be they can just be brutal on other teams, like in terms of getting around them, and if they if they get their games together defensively. And he's a very a fundamentally sound, and and he's got he's a high compete level and a pretty gritty player um, defensively too. So Theodore Lindstrom, hmm. I had him again the highest, and you had him, Bruce. You had him the sec tied for lowest with uh, Sean. Uh, he's he's just barely on our list as a prospect. He's 26 and um, 
he he is a prospect, I guess, because he's not played in the NHL. Although, you know, 26 years old, maybe it's a little unfair to even have him on the list. But but we had him there because he's a new player to the Oilers. And um, I just see a, a player who I, is very, very fast, very, very smart, and competes hard. And I think is a much better player than Joel Persson. You know, the hope from Sweden last year, they're not comparable. I don't think in any aspect of the game, maybe shooting the puck, Parison's better. Uh, but in every other aspect of the game, I rank Lenstrom higher than Parison. And I think he's got a chance to to make the Oilers as a seventh D-man. And listen, Chris Russell's 34, Bruce. He's not a great puck mover. If the Oilers, you know, there's a real chance, I think, that Lenstrom through this year could move ahead and become the third pairing D-man on the Oilers with injuries cause, and, and would do just fine. Because I think he's actually, I think he's a hell of a hockey player. Yeah, he's um, he's an interesting candidate. I mean, again, he's a guy we made a little bit of an exception for. He is not eligible for the Calder Trophy this year, even though he hasn't played any NHL games, because he's slightly outside the threshold, the age threshold. He turned 26 in August, and it's based on guys that were under 26 on September 15th. So... But we decided to treat him as a prospect in terms of our, our scouting and, and reporting on the guy because he's a new player to the Oilers and, he, you know, he's a young player without, uh, you know, just not quite young enough. And just he'll just be on our list for just this one year. But uh, uh, he's uh, what really stood out about him is his translatable skill is his skating. And uh, that, that's top notch. I happened to, I watched, uh, well, we both watched him play early in the season, and we had a glowing report on an earlier podcast, as I recall. And I recently watched, he missed a couple games with an injury, and then I watched the three games he played after he came back. And the first game back, he was just kind of getting getting through it. And the second game, he skated better. And the third game, he was back to doing what he was doing when we saw him originally, which was kind of all over the ice, always moving his feet, always jumping into holes. And... Uh, uh, making himself available as an offensive option. And the question to me is how well will he withstand on the defensive side of the puck playing against top-notch com- opponents that you find in the National Hockey League. So that's, you know, if uh, if uh, uh, that's a problem, that's a big problem. And, and, you know, that'll be make or break. I think that's what ultimately broke Joel Pearson as a, as a candidate was... Uh, some of the heavy hockey and some, you know, he he got run, run a few times. And unfortunately, he got banged up twice in October and that really set him back. And by the time he was healthy again, Ethan Barrett won the job. Yeah. Yep. Yes, indeed. So, um, Kirill Maximov, Bruce. Mm-hmm. We have him at number 13th. Uh, Sean had him as high as number 6th. And Maddie had him as low as number twenty-five. You had that's him a thir- difference of opinion. There, there's the strongest. I think that's probably the biggest gap that we had on yep. a player. And I got and him backwards. I got to fix that. I had him at eleven, <laughs> and you, yeah, you had that reversed. Uh, hopefully, they have a sense of humor. Uh, so true. We, uh, Kirill Maximov, <laughs> I have him at eleven. You have him at thirteen. Right where he is, Bruce. You nailed him. Probably you were the consensus picker. Uh, you nailed the consensus. Maybe because you picked last and you were looking at it. You were greatly influenced by everybody else. I'm just kidding. Uh, well, they weren't actually shuffled into the right order when oh, I saw them, but the, at the end we shuffled them, and there were, a lot of them were bang on for sure. Anyway, so why uh, did you have them at? Uh, why did you have them? Let's just. I want you to do a comparison, if you will, between Lavoie mm-hmm. and Maximov because they're two big power forwards who have a good shot and a gritty game. Why mm-hmm. do you have Lavoie over Maximov? Oh, well, they do have a lot in common. Lavois is a younger player. He's got higher draft pedigree. I think his uh, he has a uh, somewhat better background as a scorer, um, and he is. Uh, I mean, on the on the uh, sort of personal bias side, I saw more games of uh, of Lavois playing than I did of Maximov who has having trouble making his team, mind you, his team that he's trying to make is in the KHL, which is uh, several cuts above hockey all Svenskin. So again, it's an apples and oranges thing, which is uh, what makes this whole process, frankly, a crapshoot. Um, but, the, you know, I, they do have, there's, 
there's commonalities between them for sure. You know, big big guys who will take the puck to the net and love to shoot, and uh, uh, you know they they've got some physicality to their some edge to their games, and and so it's it's uh, the gap between them is probably not as wide as between five and thirteen or whatever. But there, you know, there's such a cluster of players in there. There's not a lot to choose that that um, that's uh, that's where they wound up on on my list and really our list, I guess. Yeah, it just it makes me wonder if their situations were reversed and Lavoie was yep. trying out for Seska and Maximov was playing for Va- what is it Vasby that yeah. that if they're that we might have like our impression of them might be reversed because they're very similar players in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lavoie is a year younger. Uh, and is it a full year? Let me just, we got the birth it's, dates. It's more yeah. Than- yeah. He's, he's more than a year younger. He's bigger. We're drafted two years apart, right? He's bigger. And I, and I, I know Sean talks a lot about Maximov shot. And he, if you watched OHL games, you would have seen that shot. I was looking for that shot in AHL games last year and I didn't see Max, like he just didn't seem, he it, he wasn't getting off his shot. He didn't have the ability at that level consistently to get off a shot. Like he just mm-hmm. wasn't. And that's why he didn't score much at the AHL last year. Mm-hmm. I really, I saw him in one KHL game this year. I really liked how he played. I thought he played very well. Uh, he's a big, physical, aggressive player and he's got a lot of game. He really competes hard. So I, I'm not negative about right. he killed penalties. I think he's a, yeah. I, I agree. I think the gap between Lavon and Maximov is exaggerated on our list, and, and, and these players are really kind of pick them at this point. We uh, likely have them low. I mean, he's played 10 games in the VHL, which is a pretty good comparison for Hockey Alsvenskan. It fact, is. It's probably yeah. higher. 10 games, 5 goals, 5 assists, 10 points. Yeah, but, I think we have him low. Mm-hmm. He, he's, uh, he, yeah, I mean, don't take that 13 too close to heart he's he's uh he's definitely a prospect and we're get, we're getting near the dividing point between prospects and other but it's nice that we're in the teens before we get to that point rather than like in the, being like at number three <laughs> three or four like like we would have in 1994 or 1995 or 1993 like the lists were pretty weak in those well, years especially 2012, in retrospect. 2012 number four was martin gurnat in 2014, oh. it was Bogdan Yakimov, you know. Yeah. Oh, so. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this is the thing. This is why I'm kind of excited about this list. Like, we're getting, Deeper. you know, we have Cooper Marodi, who mm-hmm. is at number 18. Cooper Marodi, like, like a year ago, was eating the AHL alive, like on mm-hmm. the attack before he got hurt. Yep. He was flying around like he was the, pa- I was the Patrick Kane of the AHL which doesn't necessarily translate into anything in the NHL. But that's what he looked like at that level of play, which is a very high level of play, like Cooper Marodi. And he's now 18th on our list, Bruce. So um, the owners have a little bit of depth here. Number 14 is Tyler Tulio, who I saw, and I don't think, um, and Sean's seen a lot, and Sean has him at eight. Right. Um, So he's seen him the most, and he's really high on this player. And and I like, I, I only had him at 14. But there's lots of really good players, so it's no shame at being at number 14. Excuse me. Um, he's a very um, – I put him in the Chris Versteeg class of NHL forwards. Smart, feisty, good with the puck, not very big, um, not a super fast skater. So mm-hmm. um, could he have a Versteeg-like career? Yeah, he, he might. He could. Um, he's got all those same qualities as a, as a hockey player. And, um, we'll see how he, you know, it's his first year. They, they, they wasted 126th overall pick on the guy. Not very much at all. The investment isn't huge, but the payoff could be something. I think, um, the, the, the Savoy and Tulio picks are, were outstanding picks. And, uh, I hope Sean's faith in this player as number eighth is, is, is the, the actual talent level because, um, uh, that would probably translate into a super solid AHL player, maybe an NHLer. Yeah, he's got. I mean, here's a report that I saw from uh, Mile High Hockey, which was before the draft uh, of the uh, Colorado Avalanche SBN site, and I just 
got this one section where he'll be drafted and it says much lower than he should Tulio is going to fall into the late second round or even third and it's going to look crazy in a few years like former Oshawa general and now Stanley Cup champion Anthony Cirelli Tulio is going to drastically outplay his draft slot as he turns into a key contributor on whichever NHL team drafts him Never projecting him second or third round as being ridiculously low, and the Oilers got him in the fifth round. The fifth round. Here's the now, thing. Obviously, though. Here's that's the a thing. glowing. Somebody saw yeah. him real good, but I mean Anthony Cirelli. I mean that has that's got my all attention. These, <laughs> all these NHL scouts, though, are they're not they're not dummies. They are very dedicated, sharp hockey observers, mm-hmm. and they all watch this guy. And it turns out they rated 125 players ahead of them in the draft. And they did that for a reason. Like, they're not trying to get it wrong. They were all, they're desperate to get it right. Mm-hmm. So there must be something about Tulio that that maybe isn't apparent. Now, listen, he he's not, here's the, and these are two obvious things, Bruce. He ain't that big and he's not that fast a skater. Okay? I think those are two pretty important things for an NHL hockey Absolutely. player. If you're a smaller guy, you better be able to be flying out there, uh, generally speaking. And he doesn't. So that's, I think, why he dropped. That's, I'm guessing, why he dropped him. And that's why I'm comparing him to Christopher Stieg. Because Christopher Stieg was also a smaller guy who wasn't, like, super fast on his skates. I think he developed into, a, you know, at least an NHL average skater. But he got by on his smarts and his compete level. And so that's what I would see with Tulio in, in terms of an, projecting an NHL career. He's really high on those two things. But his skating has got to get better. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think he's going to get, probably not get a whole lot bigger. But his, if his skating improves and he, and, he, and he can keep up that work and not get injured, mm-hmm. he's got a chance. He's got a chance. Yeah. Well, I actually found a place for him to play over in Slovakia. Yeah. He just cool. showed up on a team over in Slovakia, which is unique in my entire lifetime experience of watching hockey. And not that. After 18 games into the regular season, they had minus one points in the standings. They were 0-16-2. They had two <laughs> Bettman points, or whatever they call those over in, in Slovakia. And the team had been punished three points for some kind of a, of a uh, uh, you know, failed to show up. or I don't know what the heck it was. You know, what they got a, they got a three-point penalty, and they've only earned two points the entire season. Well, I was, so they're listed in the standings as minus one, and the team ahead of them, right ahead of them, had 19 points, and they had minus one. So and, they'd get whipped wow. by Basby then. And, and he scored in his first, he was in his first game. He scored, uh, he scored a goal, and, and so at least, uh, you know, made a nice first impression at least, but... Uh, there's more teams over there than uh, you or I could shake a stick at. I never heard of this team at playing in the Slovakian league, and uh, they're they're right out the bottom of the standings. <laughs> well, it speaks to his dedication, it's and it's his dad's the owner of the of the mm-hmm. Oshawa. He maybe it speaks to his dad's determination as well mm-hmm. to get him over there, place him over there on a team, and and you know. And uh, like, I don't know, like if the Oilers set that up or the family did, I don't know, but good, good work on setting that up. Like, that's a really good sign. It shows a hungry player. I like to see that. We'll end up with uh, number 15 on our list, Bruce. We've already talked about it. Konovalov right. is uh, number 15 and he's, he's, he's played seven or eight games, I think, and he's done okay, but he's lost again, his job. Lost his job to the player that I've already forgotten his name, even though you looked it up there. Um, Eddie, Eddie Pasquale. I didn't even Eddie. look it up. It finally hit my, my me. Uh, oh, Eddie Pasquale was the guy that's got his job. Just let me uh, just let me find some numbers for you. Because Konovalov, he's, um, he's had, uh, he plays with uh, Lokomotiv, Yaroslavl, in the KHL. He's played 10 games with a .924 goals against average. That sounds pretty good, right? And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's Anton Lander's team over there in the, in the KHL. But Eddie Pasquale has played 23 games with a 1.66 goals against average and a 9.32 save percentage. And the team has been winning with Pasquale and the coach has just been sticking with him. And I think the fact that Konovalov has not signed an extension, 
uh, has probably got the team looking for plan B because they know he may well be headed for North America after this yeah. season. But you would have thought as a backup he'd get the odd game. You know, I think he played one game in the entire month of November and not since. So, Eight. So there's a few players who have dropped big on the list. Philip Berglund from, uh, is, went from 7 to 17. Mm-hmm. Brody 11 to 18. Mm-hmm. Marcus Niemelainen from 15 to 23rd. And mm-hmm. the, the thing these players have in common, I would suggest, is maybe injury. Uh, right. I don't know why Marodi just played the one game in Austria and then went home. But mm-hmm. um, there's Nima Leinen may have been banged up. He was His team was sidelined by COVID. Mm-hmm. Berglund, he missed, no, he missed a month, almost a month. Oh, he did. Um, and Berryland has been injured. Mm-hmm, and, he's out uh, now. Yeah, so we may have got a misread well, on. There's a, there's uh, a couple of things there. Sorry, a couple things there. The ratings that you gave were were interim ratings. Bergman yes. was actually 20 last year, and he's 17 now. Nemalainen was 37 last year, and he's 23 now. What happened in the springtime was that they signed a contract while nobody else was doing anything, and that kind of I think raised our expectation that the Oilers saw things in these guys that, uh, yeah. that and and we probably bumped them a little higher than they should. And now having watched them in games, I've bumped them back down again. So actually, yeah. both guys is a rated higher than they were in our 2019 rankings, but significantly lower than we had in the spring. We gave them a big boost, and uh, turned out that they deserved a smaller boost, at least based on current information now. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, um, the last thing I'll say about this list is Sean Ryan, Sean Patrick Ryan, was speculating, you know, just how good is this list? And is this the best list Oilers list in a long time? And since when? He was asking that question, and and I'm asking the same question. How good is this list? Is this one of the best lists or the best lists that we've had in a, in a long time? And I think it is, Bruce. Mm-hmm. I th- and I think more accurately, the, the group of prospects that we're going to see coming into the NHL already starting last year with Yamamoto, Bear, and Jones, and continuing yep. on for a few years, mm-hmm. I suspect is going to be the best group of players to enter into the NHL for the Oilers since the uh, 1979 to about 83. Um, And um, it's not necessarily saying a lot because the Oilers had such a terrible draft record from about 1985, 1984 on. And then they got better again, interestingly. There's a period in about 1999 to 2001 where they got pretty good. And the 2000 group, just the 2000 group has, here's here's the group of players on that list. Matt Lombardi, uh, who the Oilers didn't sign, uh, but was drafted by the Oilers and went on to have a pretty good NHL career. Brad Winchester, longtime mm-hmm. bottom line player in the NHL. Mike Comrie, who uh, r- rose like a bullet in the NHL and then, you know, leveled off pretty fast. Sean Horkoff, who had an outstanding NHL career. Jason Chimera, who had an outstanding NHL career. Fernando Persani, who had an mm-hmm. excellent, really strong NHL career, and Martin Rachinsky, who had a pretty excellent, uh, strong NHL career as well. Those For are other all teams, about- too many of them, but yeah, fair enough, man. Fair enough, Bruce. But but decent, a decent group for sure. Yeah, I would compare this group more to that. I don't think it's. We need to go back to 1980, uh, which had more, you know, very very high end players. Uh, my my interpretation of this group is that it's deeper than anything we've seen in, uh, you know, the ten years we've been doing this. I would say this is, you know, that, the, you know, if you go down to number ten, number twelve, number fifteen, and compare them to previous years, that they're better off. What it doesn't have is quite the high end talent. Like I would say, of the years we did, uh, in twenty fourteen, we had a top three that was uh, Drysital, Nurse, and Clefbaum. Twenty fifteen, we had a top two. That was McDavid and Nurse. And there's just nobody in this group. I don't think, I mean, Philip Broberg, please prove me wrong. But I don't see any <laughs> any uh, McDavid's or or, uh, uh, or Drysidles in there. And, I mean, Broberg and Bouchard, well, maybe they're as good as Nurse and Clefbaum, who were on the list together for a couple of years. But you just don't have the, the super high-end forward uh, to go with them. So... 
depends if you're, you know, if you're looking for peak value or if you're looking for, you know, breadth of value. It's, it's uh, so I would say good for depth, but the high end isn't quite there that we've seen a couple times that when the Oilers had very high draft picks. So I guess the the, the question, that, yeah, the, 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 the question that properly framed would be, is this the deepest list mm-hmm. of Oiler prospects maybe that we've ever seen? The, the early years, of course, are handicapped because the Oilers only had six, dra- six draft picks in 1979. And, you know, three of them yeah. turned out to be Mark Messier, Kevin Lowe, and Glenn Anderson. But they only had six players on their list, plus a few other, you know, free agent signings. I guess maybe Charlie, Charlie Huddy. Huddy. Yeah. <laughs> when does Charlie Huddy enter their list? They'll have to... 1979, he was, uh, he was signed right after that. Uh, there was only 126 players picked in that 79 draft. And some of them were coming out of the WHA, and there was also the case that that was a double double eligibility draft because they lowered the uh, age limit uh, from 20 to 19. The following year, they lowered it again to 18. So both that both of those drafts had um, sort of two full classes of players, and only 126 players chosen in 1979. There was a lot of quality that slipped right through that uh, 79 draft. Yeah, I'll have to ask Charlie Huddy. So the 1980 list has already graduated Mark Messier and Kevin Lowe. And the 1980 list has Charlie Huddy, Paul Coffey, Yeri Curry, Andy Moog, Walt Podubny, and Glenn Anderson. <sighs> so that's the best list, I think, 1980, especially when you include Huddy. I mean, you, you, there's Huddy, Messier, Lowe, and Anderson. That's the, those two lists will compete with each other. Um as the best lists without any doubt about that. But uh, in terms of depth, um, we'll see. We'll see. The 2000 list is, again, pretty impressive. Those are all guys who played, I think, more than 500 NHL hockey games. So on uh, the 2000 list. So I think that's the best, com- like in terms of depth, that's what we're looking at here. And um, pretty good, pretty impressive. And I think the 2019 list would be the have the most depth because again it's going to have almost all of these players that are on this year's list except for Holloway, Savoy and uh, Tulio but the, you have Yamamoto, Bear Jones and John Marino in his last year on the Oilers list sadly I I think he was on the list was he not Bruce? Yeah he was he certainly yeah. was and looking like he wasn't going to come here but that's a pretty good that's pretty that's going to be a pretty good list of 2019 because it's got Bouchard and, and uh, Broberry as well. So we'll see about Here, that one. Here's another name for you, David, that wasn't drafted in 1979 It was eligible. Tim Kerr, Philadelphia oh. Flyers, who within four years, he would go on to consecutive seasons of 54, 54, 58, 58, and 48 goals. Not Where bad. are you getting? Uh, <laughs> did you just stop popping your head? Tim Kerr? Yeah, yeah, he was sort of the famous example of a guy who slipped through the 79 draft. I mean, to me, it's Charlie Huddy, and to you, it's Charlie Huddy, but, uh, but uh, yeah, he was, uh, yeah, why would anybody be interested in a six foot three, 230-pound scoring winger? But, you know, such was the nature of that draft. It was so compressed, and with all the expansion going on and everything, it was, there were some real gems that fell through the cracks there. Tim Pretty Kerr. big crack that let Tim Kerr fall through it. Wow. Yeah, was, his career was cut huge, short. Uh, huge, yes. By injury. Yeah, yeah unfortunately. so often the case with hockey players. It's a tough game. Alrighty, Bruce. Well, I'm going to be writing about this issue of the mm-hmm. draft depth. Uh, I, I'm mm-hmm. going to look into it, actually. So uh, okay. that's going to be my next post because uh, I was spurred right. on by a criticism. Uh, you know, someone said, why are you speculating about this? Like, you know, this, you know, how can you say this? And so I said, Cal- oh, Calgarypuck.com, eh? <laughs> yeah, and so it's a fair comment, fair question. And oh, yeah. uh, I like, you know, that's the good thing about Twitter. You get challenged and it thinks, sure. yeah, you dig into stuff then. And and you have to try to, to think about it. But I, I do think that this is a, a very deep group this year and last year's. And this overall group of players taken by a number of different scouting teams um, in the last five years for the Oilers is putting this team, it's, 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 it's kind of exciting, Bruce, because I don't think... Uh, we've seen, again, we haven't seen this kind of depth in a long time. Alrighty. Certainly good to add, uh, uh, you know, I mean, they've got the key pieces already in place and, you know, filling out the depth. And this, this has been 
my my point for years is that the the Oilers haven't built enough sort of internal pieces of you know third and fourth uh, line players and uh, you know grinders and and role players. They keep going outside the organization for them, and and really you got to that's the pieces you got to find from from inside. You got to you know you got to draft Anthony Sorelli and put him through your minor league team and bring him up and and find a role for him, even if it's uh, you know he's not necessarily the the sexy player that went in the top five of the draft or whatever. You got to find those other guys, and that's been a consistent failure for the Oilers for all the years we've been doing the cult of hockey, really. And it, it's and it takes time to turn around, as you say. It really started to change in 2015, but it took till 2020 before some of these guys actually finally, you know, broke through the surface into the NHL level. And hopefully, they're they're the first of a they're the vanguard of a whole new movement. It's interesting. The three draft years that I'm looking at focused on 1980, 2000, and 2020. So it seems to be a 20 year cycle. So uh, hopefully that'll be it's the like, case. Conjunctions of Saturn and Jupiter, they happen every 20 years, and they happen in those exact same three years. So 80, 20, 1,000, and 2020. The it's conjunction right of now. Saturn and Ju- Jupiter? Yep, two big That's planets. The are, they're visible right now in the southwest right after sunset on a clear day, which this isn't. What does that mean, the conjunction of them? They're just one's passing the other in the sky because they're going around the sun at different rates. So from our Jupiter, perspective, from Earth's Jupiter perspective. Over, yeah, Jupiter overtakes yeah. Saturn every 20 years, and it's just in the process now of making an exceedingly close pass. So a uh, matter of, and it's, well, it's gotten quite a bit of coverage in the press and of particular interest to nerds like me. The Saturn, so the, uh, yeah, we got the, it's the, it's the Saturn to Jupiter draft list. And that's no, the kind of quality information that you get on this <laughs> podcast. You will get on no other podcast. Probably not. Podcast. <laughs> thanks for I, yeah thanks for listening everyone and in the meantime and in between times this has been another edition of the cult of hockey podcast <laughs>